Welcome to the Academic Work-Life Podcast. My name is Dylan Gomes, and I'm a graduate student at Boise State University. The goal of this podcast is to have a discussion about how we might all live more balanced lives. Um, so, you're Dr. Nick Dowdy, and uh, I'm, I guess if you could just introduce yourself a bit and tell us your background and sort of where you are. Yeah, so I'm a postdoctoral research fellow, uh, an NSF postdoctoral research fellow, I'm currently associated with the Milwaukee Public Museum, and uh, I also have um, an assistant research professorship at Wake Forest University, um, and I currently live in North Carolina. Uh, I am originally from Arizona. I did my undergraduate at the University of Arizona, and uh, after that, I started my PhD with Bill Connor at Wake Forest University, and that's where my research on um, bat moth predator prey interactions started. And so, since then, my research has really been focused on the anti predator strategies of moths, specifically tiger moths. And most of that research has been focused on sound strategies, so how moths are using sound to defend themselves against bats. But since then, I've kind of branched out into chemical ecology, um, flight behavior, and now I'm really focused on how we can integrate museum collections into behavioral ecology research. Oh, great. That was perfect. Um, and so when I, when I initially emailed you about the podcast, you, you said something like, um, you know, you're not, you don't have the best work-life balance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's a, a good starting point because I think most people have pretty bad work-life balance. I think we all feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> and so... And that's why this podcast exists. <laughs> 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 or, you know, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so, but wh why, I guess, why do you think that? Or so what do you mean exactly when you say you don't um, When I say that, I mean that I do feel like a workaholic most of the time. And um, that in and of itself I don't think is a bad thing, but I think it turns bad when it impacts your personal life. And sometimes I do feel like it impacts my personal life. Um, luckily, uh, I have a fantastic wife who I've been with uh, since high school, <laughs> uh. and she is not an academic. Uh, she is a nurse who clocks in and clocks out. And for her, uh, you know, she brings that perspective to our home of we're at home <laughs> and it's time to stop <laughs> um, and you know sometimes uh, sometimes I can I can do that I can pull myself away uh, she really helps me do that um, but it's hard it's like a it's always there's a temptation in the back of your mind like uh, the field is so competitive I've got to compete I've got to stay on top uh, I've got to publish publish or perish mm -hmm. and uh, so I uh, I certainly feel that day to day, and I think in one of the other I listened to to the other podcast, <laughs> and I found them really interesting. Um, and I think somebody at some point had mentioned checking emails like all the time, uh -huh. and that's definitely me too. I'm always checking emails and trying to stay connected and, and making sure that I'm not missing out on something. Um, so maybe it's also sort of um, a manifestation of FOMO or something, <laughs> fear of missing out, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, and at the same time, it is honestly partially a procrastinatory 
thing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because uh, maybe you, you're faced with a daunting task, like, oh, I've got to get this code to work. I don't have any ideas right now, but maybe if I check my Facebook for five <laughs> minutes, I'll figure it out or something. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I definitely feel that um, publisher parish mentality, mm-hmm. um, and it is difficult to pull away sometimes. Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Because we want to feel like we're doing something. We want to feel like we're working all the time so that we can be competitive. Yeah. But like you mentioned, you know, if you check your Facebook or check your email, you're really not being productive in those moments, right. but there's some sort of, like, you're still maybe at work or you're right. still on your computer or you're still, you know, engaged somehow. And, and those things are addictive, right? Yeah. I know they're addictive. And so, yeah, I, I think having a conversation about how we sort of get away from that and limit our email time. And, like, I, I've been trying to talk about emails to people a lot, and I've, there are a couple of books that I've read of talking about strategies for avoiding email all the time, but I, I still am terrible at it, right? I, I, exactly. I do the same thing. <laughs> and each time I, I check my email, and there's if, if there's no new email, right, I'm like, okay, too far. You know, I, I'm checking this too much. Yeah. Um, and But I'm still not very good at, at being practical about it. Yeah. Well, I think um, something that came up um, in a previous conversation, um, we were discussing the idea that academia and even other careers, it's almost like a project-based economy <laughs> where you, you have a project. And in some ways, like that's the nice thing about academia. I think for a lot of people, that's why we're attracted to it, You know, part of the reason why we might be attracted to it. Because it's one of these things where um, what's important is that the project is complete, not how many hours you spent on it or you know what exactly you were doing during that time. And I think also in academia, you know, we are paid to think and to synthesize information. And so you're always on, you're always doing that. It's like the human experience to a degree. We're always bringing in information and try, trying to synthesize information and make sense of the world. So it's hard to turn that off, especially when your research is something that you're really passionate about. Why would you not want to be thinking about that 100% of the time, 110% of the time? Um, whereas other careers, like for example, my wife's career, like I mentioned, it's a clock in, clock out, like an hourly sort of thing, um, where it's maybe easier to to turn it off because it's not a project. It's not. It's an ongoing thing. There is no definitive like I finished the project. The paper is out and time to move on to the next one. Um, so maybe there's something to that. I don't know, but um, yeah. it's definitely an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, and I, th- I think you bring up a, a couple of good points, and one of them is that it's it's thought based or knowledge based, right? And and if you have a project that's building a house or working on a car or something, right? you show up and you do your work and when you go home it, it doesn't do you that much good to think about what you're going to do the next day as far mm-hmm. as building the house goes right you know what you need to do more right. or less and you just need to physically right. do if you're it. following a, a predetermined plan mm-hmm. right yeah in a lot of cases <laughs> a lot of us are, are doing things that nobody else has ever done before because you have to do something novel, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have to take what's been done and extend it. So you're wor- you're moving into uncharted territory most of the time, mm-hmm. and so there is not always something you can look to to 
to emulate. Sometimes you've got to be creative and, and right. do something that's never been done and before. I think sometimes uh, when you put something off, like let's say you put a paper off for a couple of years, right? Yeah, been there. <laughs> that's an extreme, extreme, <laughs> but everybody's well, so yeah. at some uh, point has been It's there. not that extreme. <laughs> but you, you forget a lot of where you were and what you were doing, so it's, it's yeah. almost, and so what I meant by extreme is like, okay, well, we put off projects for two weeks all the time and it's not that hard to get back into them or, yeah. you know, but it is harder than if you don't put it off at all and you just work constantly through this project. Yep. Um, but I guess for you, when you finish a project, do you get a sense of uh, satisfaction? Do you feel like this endorphin rush or do you, or is it just like, okay, well now it's the next thing. Is it almost like less weight on your shoulders, so let's just move on to the next thing and not really celebrate the fact that we completed <laughs> something? Yeah, um, I I don't feel that celebratory <laughs> because um, I think I think it's because I'm excited now. You know, like the weight's lifted, the paper's out, and now I can do that that cool thing that's actually been in the back of my mind for the last six months. <laughs> I can start working on that. And then get back into the same vicious yeah, cycle it, it, <laughs> until that becomes the, <laughs> yes, the, exactly. the drudging through the yes. muck, and you have a new idea. Yes, yeah. yeah, and that happens to me all the time. And in fact, I would say that actually saved my PhD having that kind of mentality. It doesn't sound like a good mentality, mm -hmm. um, but at least for me, um, I had two chapters of my dissertation that that kind of failed. Um, they just weren't working out. But um, because I had a field component to my research, um, during the summers I would go out into the field, and in one particular year I went to Ecuador. And um, I was collecting data for one of those failed chapters. <laughs> um, but while I was there, I was catching so many cool moths, and, and that, that mentality cropped up in me. Like, oh, there's all this cool stuff going on. Like, maybe I'll, I'll just take some time and, and look at these other things. And I ended up discovering two uh, totally new anti-bat behaviors just because I was messing around with moths while I was supposed to be doing something else. So I like to think that part of being successful, and again, it's just for me. I don't really intend this to be like, this applies to everybody. Mm -hmm. But part of it is being a, a productive procrastinator. Is when I am procrastinating, I am trying to do something that might turn into something one day, mm -hmm. and it's worked out for me so far. I, I might get burned one day, but <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's it's fun too because right. you're you're getting a break, and I do think there is something to be said. I, I think another one of the your interviewees mentioned sort of having a hobby or doing sports or, or things, something on the side that's not related to academia. And I think that there is merit to that. I, I, I do think that it's important sometimes to step away and, and then a lot of times uh, you might have your eureka moment when you're doing something totally different. That certainly happened for me, but, um, but why I say I don't think I'm very good at work-life balance is because I really don't have a lot of those kind of hobbies. Mm -hmm. I see the value, but for me personally, um, I just never feel like I have time for that. I used to have um, non-science kind of hobbies, but 
uh, those really got whittled away pretty early on <laughs> in my PhD, and but they were replaced by, like I said, like product more productive types of activities. Mm-hmm. For example, um, I got really into um, uh, different computer languages and learning those things, and that's been so helpful <laughs> mm-hmm. um, to really have gotten into that and gotten into statistics and. And that can all be really fun, right? It can be, at least for me, I, it was. I, I wasn't totally new to it when I was in my PhD. I did have some experience, prior experience with um, both uh, coding and, and statistics and that kind of stuff, but it was never something that I uh, spent a lot of time thinking about until I got into my PhD and I stopped doing more social things like you know, uh, playing board games and that kind of stuff, which I still love and I still do, but it's it's more now um, at big social events or like family gatherings and stuff. So it's like it's like really concentrated. It's like once every six months or something, <laughs> but it's you know it's a big event. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of my my strategy, and now a lot of my free time is spent, um, you know, learning a new language or 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 thinking about something that's related to what I'm doing and maybe could help me do something that I'm doing. Um, I, th- I think, too, like the type of work that I do, there are so many things that, that play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people. Uh, and what I mean by that is like um, not only like, oh, it's behavioral ecology, it's um, chemical ecology, and all there's all the methods related to all that, but even in terms of like electronics, like can I solder something? And maybe I'll, I'm gonna go watch some videos about that. And it's just kind of like general STEM mm-hmm. stuff, right? It's, it's general science, general technology, and engineering stuff that I find interesting. And so maybe, maybe I just don't think about it the right way, that that is a hobby, but because it's close to what I typically do on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't really feel like a hobby. I yeah. No, and I, I think you you know you mentioned something that's important is that everybody's different, and I know uh, Chris McClure and I talked on the podcast as well, and he he said something similar where a lot of his hobbies are side projects, and they're different enough that they feel like he's not working at least on sort of the main thread of whatever he's doing. And mm-hmm. I know I feel the same way about looking into statistics or, or programming, even when they're things that I don't necessarily need for a project yeah. right now. I'll become fascinated sort of by the philosophy of it or the history of it or something like that and sort of go on these tangents which might be good for your career but aren't right now in the moment making progress. Yeah, definitely a lot of my coding projects are like, this might come to fruition in 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like, for example, I've been getting really into Python but not just like for analyzing data but also... You know, Python's so flexible, you can use it as a web framework. And uh, so I've been doing a lot of, like, web development stuff, like learning learning how that is done and how websites work and how data can be served. So, again, it, like, ultimately it comes back to, like, what I'm doing because I'm thinking about, um, like, data availability or creating databases or, you know, uh, bringing together disparate data into one sort of, you know, repository. So so it's easier not only for me to access, because, you know, 
I have to keep all that in my mind. It'd be great if I could just like have my own little like database to Google and get some information. So not only for me, but for others too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's stuff like that where I'm doing web development, which has nothing to do with biology, really. But there is an end goal, and but again, like I don't have, I don't spend enough time on it that it's likely to really come to fruition in the way that I have it in my mind for another five or ten years. So, mm-hmm. but um, but it, I do enjoy it. <laughs> so, and and that's, I mean, mentally, that's probably what counts, right? Uh, at least giving your your mind a mental break of this is work versus this is something that is fun and creative and yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. So we are almost out of time. So I guess uh, I have a, a fun question, and then cool. a question that's could still be fun, but but is more um, uh, specific. If you have to, anything you want to say. So the, the first question, I guess, is if you weren't an academic, mm-hmm. what would you be? <laughs> uh, I thought about this, and this is like a whole another conversation right. <laughs> about. <laughs> Um, what happens if you can't stay in academia? A lot of us think about that. If you go to any conference and you get some postdocs together, it will inevitably come up. Um, like how terrible <laughs> the situation right. is. Just rip your world uh, yeah. away from you. Yeah, we won't get into that. But um, <laughs> if that happened, um, I think I th- I do think I would probably want to be in computer science and coding and that kind of stuff. And I think that's just because. Those are skills that I've developed. It's something that's not scary to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas doing something totally different, I don't know, business or something like that, <laughs> is just like a totally foreign thing to me. And You're not going to open up a burrito stand anytime soon? Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> and so then, uh, I guess lastly, is just if you have any final thoughts or comments or anything that you wanted to share with Um I guess I would just underline that I think everybody um, ultimately has a different personality and a different journey. Um, my What's worked for me, like I said, is, is kind of just being a productive procrastinator and and just keeping, keep, keep going. <laughs> Don't stop. Um, so far it's worked, but <laughs> you never know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think there's nothing, uh, from my perspective, that what else What else can I do? That's mm-hmm. what you have to do. Yeah. Sort of listen to yourself and figure out what you need to, yeah. to continue doing what you're doing. Yeah, and um, and for me personally, my significant other is, has made a huge impact on my personal life and helping me maintain a slightly better you know, work-life balance. Not everybody has that. I don't think everybody needs that, but I think think having somebody, some other person in your life um, can be really helpful, whether that be a significant other, a family member, a friend. I think that is a critical component. Well, Dr. Nick Dowdy, thank you so much. Thank you.